You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. There you go. So we've got at least four <laughs> listeners, according to you. They all sound very similar, but they're out there. <laughs> They've all got a, a high-pitched voice. <laughs> also. All right, so uh, welcome to the show. What was the before, the after the show discussion? You usually keep track of that. Uh, you were cutting out the sound of my mouse that will be clicking while I'm talking, and a couple of movie thingies. Really not much. It's nope. been brief. We we came up here, we did the thing, you made tea, we had a little discussion, you did the test, and now we're recording. If everyone likes to know our play-by-play. True. We we did enjoy a movie. It is Saturday, August the 19th. This is after the show number 493. So we are a movie review show. We review a Blu-ray uh, each week. And this week's Blu-ray review is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's a 2017 movie. Released on 4K, Blu-ray, digital, DVD on August the 22nd, 2017. So you can pick this up this coming week. It's rated PG-13. It was provided to us from our friends at Disney and Marvel. And Sid Talk will give you a little synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume first, 2. First, it sounds like you're like IPA, XYZ, RMP, XYR, RRR, blah, 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 blah. That's what it sounds like when you all, all of you people who do your podcasting and stuff and videos, you know. I don't know those, what you're talking about. All those letters that you say, available on DVD and Blu-ray and da-da-da and on the date and blah, blah, blah. And 4K, Ultra HD. Exactly. I just think it sounds monotonous. But as far as my synopsis, the Guardians of the Galaxy get in a big fight with a guy who's a big jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) I mean, you know, they're going to watch the movie. This isn't the kind of movie that you listen to a review and then decide, eh, we won't watch it. They're going to watch it or they will have watched it already. And me telling them what it's about is irrelevant. True. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, we're approaching 10 years of Marvel right now. Um, I think the next movie is the 10-year mark. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first movie, Volume 1, if you want to call it that, um, is my favorite uh, Marvel movie out of all of the movies. Mm -hmm. What about you? I don't know. You asked me that. I don't know for sure. They all kind of blend together for me. Hmm. So that's, I, that's actually a good thing because they are supposed to all yeah, blend together. Yeah, it's one together. big world. So yeah. to me, it's just one big story. Yeah, well, Guardians of the Galaxy stuck out more to me. It reminds me um, more of the adventure of a movie, another movie that I like called Star Wars. It's like, you know, going to different planets. and A movie called s- what was that? Star Wars. Mm. It has more in common with Star Wars than it does with superhero type things to me. Like, uh, you know, different planets, galaxies... Saving the universe, not just the planet, you know, that kind of thing. So, and instantly when I watched the first one, the visual style of this movie speaks to me also. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's different than the other Marvel movies. It's very outlandish. It looks like, um, similar to that Thor Ragnarok trainer, the uh, trailer that we saw at the beginning of this movie. It has that like 1970s 
uh, heavy metal album cover kind of look. There was a big, there was a whole series, all different bands kind of did it. It was just a cool thing in the 70s. If you go and look at a load of rock album covers by people like Pink Floyd or Hawkwind or Styx, <laughs> they like. Are those actual bands? Yes. <laughs> they're all bands, yeah. Uh, so they had like a, a lot of uh, alien planet kind of concept art for their album covers. And Guardians of the Galaxy kind of fits that. That's how it looks. All the planets are really beautiful, loads of different colors. It's like color explosion, this movie. Yeah, the first one was too, but I think this one even more. But um, what did you think of it uh, overall? Uh, uh, the- there's only one word. It's fun. It's, it's, this is a no-brainer. I don't. There's not a lot of overthinking you can do on Guardians of the Galaxy or any Marvel movie. It is a big adventure with big characters out in the universe, the whole of all of everything that is. People and creatures out defending and fighting and trying to commandeer control and suppress, oppress, and set free. Right? There's there's nothing else you can say except it's fun. Yeah. Or it's, now, or it's a good time. Now, there might be some spoilers in this review. Um, so if you haven't seen this yet, go on Tuesday and buy it. And then come back after you've watched it and listen to what we say. Or, if you've seen it already, stick around. Because we do like you listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> but, can you tell? Can you just like feel it in your bones? I really liked the uh, story here. Uh, the first movie literally had to set up everything because we didn't know who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I wasn't even familiar with the comics. It was one of those Marvel movies where I was like, I don't even know what that is. Will I like it? Turned out it was my favorite one. But the second one, we don't have to mess around with you learning who everybody is because we already know it. Oh yeah, this movie is not made for anyone who hasn't seen the first one. If you haven't seen the first one, you will watch some of this and think, I better watch the first one. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So it gets to the point pretty quickly. Well, you know, actually, that opening sequence with um, Kurt Russell driving the car with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. How uh, good was, that was the that was good. trickery that was done there? That was actually really impressive. Yeah, they made... Well, they've done it in a couple of Marvel movies, but in this particular movie, Kurt Russell has been made to look, what, 30 years younger? I'd say, yeah. And it's actually not goofy looking. And, and the camera's really close up on him. It doesn't look like... I, at first I was like, is that not CG at all? Have they actually put a mask on? Something weird, yeah. On? Like, and I was looking at it, and you can see it, because it's high definition and everything, you can see it really close up. And I was like, it actually looks right. Like, they got Kurt Russell from 30 years ago and just <laughs> used some footage. Brought him, <laughs> yeah. brought like, him to the future. Da, 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 yeah, it's him. really, really kind of perfected, I think. Um... And they did it in another movie where I think it was Robert Downey Jr. they made look young. No, it was Captain America, wasn't it? They made him look younger. Yeah, but that wasn't Looked so a good. Bit weird, didn't yep. it? Yep. And like, also, ugh, the big Lebowski in that in Tron looked like shit. Yeah, that was really bad. Now this is like the best I've ever seen them do that. I don't know how they did it. I, I was hoping in the extras it was tell you, but it didn't. But it was uh, very, very good. So that immediately I was impressed. But then. You know, once it takes off to space, there's this opening sequence, which I thought was amazing. Basically, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, a lot of it hinges on music. Uh, one of my favorite things in films is fusing music with action and it, like, actually, um, giving you some kind of emotional response. When people say that, 
it sounds hokey, but it does it do does, something yeah. to you, yeah. And this opening sequence, it's um, Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> There's a, a typical Guardians of the Galaxy. It's almost like a, um, a video game boss fight that is going on in the background. They're fighting with this big creature. And Baby Groot, which is the little uh, <laughs> tree twig c- character, twig character, is dancing to the music that is playing. And it's even explained in the movie, it's very tongue-in-cheek, what Rocket Raccoon is doing right at the very beginning of the music is wiring up a sound system so when they have to fight this <laughs> alien, they've got music to, to go over it so it sounds cool. So everything's a bit tongue-in-cheek and explained that way. But then Groot is dancing to the music, oblivious to the battle going on, just... And it's, dancing. It, and it's a whole like sequence where... He's just moving around and the action is going on. And sometimes he interacts with the characters. Like he says hi to Gamora, waves at her and she says hi back. And it's just a brilliant opening sequence. <laughs> I didn't, whenever an opening sequence is happening and there's credits coming up on the screen, which there was during this, I always read the credits. But in this sequence, I never looked at the credits once because there was so much going on in the action. But it was perfect. It was... um Exactly. So did you like this movie much? I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly what, guy, well, I'm just going through. <laughs> You're going through like one thing at a time because you just, every single thing is in but your memory. But that opening sequence, fantastic, I thought. Even better than the last opening sequence. Um, the story overall, um, it's the story if of this movie is Star-Lord's mother died in the first movie. Spoilers, maybe. Um, I just said, I already said that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just um, saying. And... In this movie, he's, well, he's not looking for his father, is he? His father finds him, right? And his father turns out to be... Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. (laughs) And it's not all as it seems, and his father is not all that it seems, and that leads to the adventure. I really liked it. It was surprising. I didn't... The one thing I have a question for is, because he says he's a celestial. Yeah. He just appears in the universe at some point and then realizes what he can do and he can control matter and blah, blah, blah. Like a god. And he has like a, yeah. Well, is it though? It's just a creature that has control over matter and some on some level, right? So then when they go to the big giant head, did they say that was a celestial? I don't remember. Which giant head? Well, the only giant head we've ever seen in the galaxy, in the ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. In the in the first one, there's a big giant head, he, where there's a whole community of intergalactic yeah, shit going on. I thought that was just a planet. No, it was a head. The what? big giant head from the first one, where they all go inside and they're inside of its head. Do you not remember? Oh yes, a I do skull remember. Yeah. like. Yeah, I don't know actually if that's a celestial or not. I don't know. Right, because I was thinking, hmm, well, interesting. But yeah. I mean, I love the idea that this guy is whatever he is he's create you know he's just happens to end but he he is part of a universe that exists when he is born or whatever and then he kind of i don't know over millions of years becomes embittered (laughs) yeah and disgruntled about being alone and then he gets egotistical and he wants to control everything sounds very familiar his name is ego as soon as he (laughs) said as soon as his father said my name is ego i was like okay he's the bad guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was awesome (laughs) um so 
turns out like Star Lord has some of well, some of his father's power. He just has to learn it, kind of Star Wars like. Um, and you know, it's like a <laughs> what did he say? I'm gonna make some really weird shit. Yeah, I'm gonna really because you can make what you want with this power. It's like light. You can just if you want to create a planet and you're powerful enough to do it, you can just make a planet appear. Anything in the whole universe. Like I'm, I'm assuming make another universe if you're that powerful. Right? Sounds like it. So I mean, um, I don't know anything about him, so I don't know. No. And uh, so I like the whole uh, father and son. Um, it isn't just that, though. All the characters kind of split up into kind of little units. So you've got, like, um, you know, Nebula... And Gamora, they're kind of off together. Really good. Hate I like each that. other's guts. I like that relationship. But still a lot. love each other. Yeah, like. Well, they don't love each other yet. I, I think that's a misconception. Well, Gamora loves her sister. I think. I don't think so. I think she's just not there, not doesn't dislike her, but she doesn't think of it that way. I don't think. Yeah. Yet. I think it dawns on her later. So they're they're battling each other kind of throughout this thing. Uh, then there's like, Drax. Who's Drax with? Drax is with um, the raccoon mostly Nebula. and Groot. No, not Nebula. Yeah, Nebula. No. No. Are you talking about Mantis? Mantis. Yeah. Mantis. Yeah, a new character actually for, to um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now let's just tell everybody you don't know what a praying mantis is. Yeah, I do. You didn't know until I explained it to you. I asked you a few weeks ago. So I said something about praying mantis, and you said, "What's that?" I said, "You know, it's a bug." Like a scorpion type thing. <laughs> no. See. <laughs> Look up praying mantis. I don't want to type on my keyboard. I'm just saying that's interesting that you didn't know exactly what a praying mantis is. So she's a new character to this world. She's got like um, feelers on her head. She can read your emotions and kind of look into you. What else can she do? She can control you. A little bit. Just your emotion. Yeah. Temporarily and put you to sleep. So it's the funniness between Drax and her is funny like because they're very different but kind of alike similar to the two sisters and then you've got Groot and Rocket Raccoon who were teamed up in the first one so we know their relationship and it's just the same really apart from Groot is obviously he was an adult in the first movie and in this movie he's a baby Groot he's a twig and uh, he's just different because he's uh, what would you say he's kind of reckless right or he's he's learning he's learning he's just a little dude he doesn't really. I mean, he's still, he still. He still kills some people. Yeah. He's still like agile, and he. I like the part actually. My favorite part with Groot is where, um, they're trying to escape. Two of them have been captured, and they're trying to escape. And and Groot's outside of the cage, and they're sending him like, go to the office and get this thing because we need this. And Groot keeps bringing like a different thing back. Like, he never gets the right thing. Yeah, that's funny. He actually brings the eye of somebody and somebody's toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then in your mind, you're like, what happened there? Like, what? He's a little more brutal. The other one, yeah. uh, Big Groot was more of a peace-loving, but willing to, like, destroy everything yeah. if he had to. This Groot hasn't learned that part yet, so he's kind of a <laughs> bit, you know, you never know what he's going to do. And then, yeah, you know, so there's lots of little adventures going on in the movie, which I really liked. And then it comes together at the end with everybody fighting the same foe. And uh, not going to give spoilers, but it's actually really emotional at the end. Didn't you think? Yes. 
which um, it it's kind of good and bad. You know, like when you watch Empire Strikes Back, it has an emotional ending, right? Everybody's seen Empire Strikes Back. I am spoiling anything, but it's a, that that last scene. <laughs> That's very presumptuous of you. <laughs> the final scene where you see them and the camera pulls out of the space station and you see them kind of stood there and you realize. Not everything is great for our heroes at this point. Um, it's pretty grim. Well, in this movie, I thought it was going to go that way, but it's actually, there's a grimness to what happens, but there is also a positive feeling to it too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not fully, it's sad, and the way they use the music, and it's the perfect piece of music for what is happening. Um, but it's also, it's not, like, oh, this is the Empire Strikes Back. It's so bad at the end of it. In fact, it doesn't really set up the next movie fully. You don't know who they're going after in the third movie, right? It's not like they No, I assume the third one's going to go back to those stones and stuff. This one was just sort of a slice of Guardians of the Galaxy's bigger story. That's the arcing story, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not like this movie um, does that you know, ordinary thing where it sets up a baddie at the end in the no. credits and shows you exactly what they're going to be doing next time. It no, kind of leaves going. it open as they're, they're the Guardians of the Galaxy. Whatever happens, um, actually, they're going to the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to appear in the the Avengers three. So, how they come into it, I'm not sure, but we're going to see them in that before we see them in the third movie. So, um, overall, yeah, it's very funny. There's a lot of uh, like potty humor, wouldn't you say? The <laughs> yes. kids would, the kids would really go be like, oh, correct. Know, there's like turds and there's you know group farts at one point. But and, you laughed. Yeah, we both laughed. Yeah, that's quite funny. Where that 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 was my funniest part. Where <laughs> I'm notorious for my giant turds. Yeah, <laughs> he says he's gonna put gonna put a turd in his in his. You gotta just watch it. You just gotta so watch gonna it. It's not gonna be. Put... It's not gonna be funny when you retell it. You have to watch it. But uh, yeah, he says that, and mm-hmm. it's funny. And it, uh, a lot of the funny moments are actually down to um, Dave Batista as Drax because he's he's <laughs> he's got an honesty like a like his race have to be honest all the time. So he'll well, they're just, literal. Yeah, he'll they don't tell you yeah. um, exactly what you know. There's there's a few instances in this, but there was more in the first one. They kind of played with it more in the first one, I think. But uh, a lot of the funny moments come from him. So, uh, yeah, special effects. What do you think of those? Uh, awesome, as always. Do, do I mean, think... there's a little bit of ragdolling going on from time to time, but, but I can overlook it. But, I mean, it is literally like a, the movie is a, a special effect. Yeah, exactly. There, it is a spectacle. There isn't a moment where there isn't something that you have never seen before or is, like, fantastical looking or you're like, wow, look at that, look at that. You know, every time they land on a new place, you're like, is this just going to look like a like they're, they're in Scotland or something? But no, they're all completely constructed different planets that are colourful. I like the planet that Ego lives on. It was just cool looking. It's like... Cause he doesn't... He, it, just to clarify, he doesn't actually live on that planet. That's him. Yeah, well, he, well, that's, it's all that, him. That's yeah. He create he created a planet to for his home base. Well, no, he's he is the planet. He is. But he's in the, the middle. Then he, there's like a uh, he projects, uh, makes a human being version. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the him. whole of the planet is him. Yeah, well, that's fine. You know, you don't find that out when you land on the planet. You find that out way later. But 
the planet Ego is uh, <laughs> quite obvious. You know, like you make a planet that uh, is like the most, the fanciest planet yeah, exactly. in the star system. Um, and then those, I really like the design of those, I'm not sure what they were called, those people. I don't even think it ever mentioned what they were called, but the gold people. Yeah, they did. They said what they are. There's some gold people. They said their I'll, name. Yeah, I don't know it though. So I'll call them gold people. <laughs> and they, they were cool. They have like um, their design of their ships and their place is like if you played the, ge- the uh, video game Starcraft, the Protoss, it looks very much like that. It's kind of like Egyptian, like really gold um, and like that, what do you call it? That Art Deco kind of look to the ships. Mm. Kind of Egypt, Egypt and Art Deco mixed together. Um, and they're very... I liked the idea of they're not actually in their ships fighting. They're, it's, they're in like a, a big ship. It's like Player One. Like Ready Player they're One. They're in a fantasy, yeah. <laughs> they're all drones like that go off. Now, that's actually seems smart, but also seems dumb to me. Because, you know, if you're in a big battle and you've got thousands of fighters, but there's nobody in any of them fighters... But there's a big ship right at the back there with every single person in it. Then when you're the the opposing team, you just go and fight the big ship. Correct. Yeah, just blow them. it up and everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did that, though. No, they didn't. But, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Special effects, music, sound. It's just top-notch. I mean, Marvel are just... What they've done in these ten years, they've created this whole cinematic universe. It all fits together. You love all these characters if you're into comic book stuff. I think it's separate to their comic book universe. It's a thing in its own. And uh, they've, it's amazing what they've done, really, isn't it? They've done more in 10 years than a lot of other franchises have done, right? Yes. Because they've got so much to draw on. There's so many Marvel. I mean, we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, really. Or, or has Marvel used all the big licenses already? Doesn't matter. Guardians of the Galaxy was not a big license, remember? Yeah, that's they what I'm turned saying. it into something, so it could be anything, yeah. like absolutely anything that they choose. They could pick the most random, the one set of characters or one character that sold ten comics back in 1965, and they're like, "Screw it, we're gonna do it," and they could make it into this because that's, yeah. that's what they did. So, yeah, exactly. I know, I know, I know most of the Marvel stuff. And I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy, they mentioned it and showed the logo. And I was like, well, that's a comic I don't know. So who knows what that is? But turns out it was good. So moving on to the cast, uh, Chris Pratt reprises his lord, his, reprises his lord, reprises his role as a Star Lord. What do you think of Chris Pratt? He's fine. I mean, he is what he is. He's funny, charming, commanding. What do you think about the emotional stuff he had to do here? Because that um, wasn't, he didn't have to do that in the first one as much. He did. He thought about his mom a few times. Every time, I mean, he's fine. He, there's nothing that stands out about him to me. He's fun. He takes charge of the whole scene when he needs to. Um, it isn't that over the top, constant, smart assy thing that I despise. Now, to some people, he might be. I can see where he kind of skirts the line. But for me, he's not. And so I'm fine. There's nothing that stands out. However, if you subtract him from the equation, it's not the same. Now, if he had never been it, that'd be different. But if you take him out now... Yeah, he is Guardians. And try to put in another type of character of the same... Hey, look at me. That kind of guy, then it kind of... I don't know. 
So I think he's fine. Because he's a comedian, first off, and then he's a action star now, isn't he? But it kind of works, like, together, you know? Because he is funny. I mean, I don't think he gets the funniest lines in the movie, to be honest. But uh, Agree. he is funny. Uh, Zoe Saldana returns as Gamora. I think she's actually improved. I oh, definitely. I felt like she was, she'd grown into it more this time. Or it's just we know the character a bit better, so... I liked what she was doing with it. Um, she's tough. There's a bit of a romantic thing going on between her and Star-Lord that doesn't... That isn't a romantic thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good because it's a little bit different. To what I like how they, yeah, I like how they have his character say, it's that thing that happens when you don't say it, but then when you do say it, if you're a TV show, your ratings go down because nobody wanted you to yeah. say it out loud. And he's right. Because like, if you've had a TV show where everybody's got like that... Like in sick- Friends. Friend, I don't know if the ratings went down, but yeah, you see two people with some tension and, and teasing each other and flirting with each other. That's part of the draw. Once they're hooked up, that you is- have to break them up because then that's the only other. It's not exciting to be a relationship. Is it? <laughs> that's that's the lesson. Once you're in, it's not so fun anymore. So you got to have them break up so that they're exes and so they constantly bicker or have them have the pre-relationship bickering. So, But because these two come from... Well, one's a human and one isn't. And she doesn't know his his rituals and stuff as much as he does. <laughs> it's It makes for an interesting relationship between them. Uh, Dave Batista, who, again, comes back as Drax. He's a wrestler. Um, but not anymore. Now he's a big movie star. What do you think of him? Always good. Always one of my favorite things. Do you love him when he wrestles in wrestling? No. <laughs> not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you like wrestling. Honestly. No, I do not. I can even hear wrestling because I know a dude at work who might be listening to something that's wrestling-ish, and I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm biased. I don't like it. Now, for Dave Batista, um, like another wrestler who turned to movie star, The Rock, I find very charming and also very funny. Like, he can do both of those things and be an action star, obviously, because they're big, muscly guys, right? But um, Dave Batista in this, it's one of my favorite things just because of that, you know, that he has to say stuff out loud and laugh all the time. Yes. And it's, it's actually really funny. Vin Diesel returns as Baby Groot this time, not Big Groot. It's a weird one, isn't it, for Vin Diesel? It doesn't matter. It, it does, does not matter. matter. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that it's him. Um, he does, like, if you've not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, Groot can only say, I am Groot. Those words, three words, I yep. am Groot. And I could have said them, and they could have made them sound exactly the same. I'm not trying to downplay his acting style for delivering these voiceover lines. I'm sure it's quite incredible to be with him during that experience. However, it's just bullshit that anybody cares. I'm just putting it out there. Unless he ends up on the screen, he doesn't matter. He hasn't been in a Marvel movie uh, as a person. as he? He's just been the voice of Groot. He's not actually been a character anywhere. Still room for him to be one, I guess. Um, Pom Clementif plays Mantis all the time, all the way through. She's got kind of makeup and CG on her face, so you can't really tell who the actress is. Uh, who did you think it was? At first, I thought it was Paul Rudd's wife, and I apologize for Who's not knowing Paul her Rudd's name. wife? That comedian lady. Um, let me just... I'm going to type, you, so hold are on. Are you thinking of um, not Paul Rudd's wife, but uh, the director... The director of movies with Paul Rudd and his wife, Leslie Mann. 
Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> she plays Paul Rudd's wife. Yeah, she twice. Plays. she's yes. often Paul Rudd's wife. <laughs> that is who I am talking about. You're correct, Leslie Mann. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what I thought it was for the first five minutes, and then it, I, then I didn't. So yeah, she's the actually um, the if you've seen the remake of Old Boy with Spike Lee, not one of my favorite movies, but she's the sexy, um, like hench woman yeah. to the bad guy in that. Not that we're recommending that. No, not rec- but that's the only time I've ever seen her before. But she was I thought she was fantastic in this. In fact, that character I I really like a lot. I want that character to be a big part of it. I think she will be. Um, it's a cool character, right? And they didn't... It's really the only new character they really introduced here, isn't it? No. Um, well, no. The father and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. All the different um, scavenger, ravenger, ravagers, whatever they are. Yeah. yeah. But she's like a focal... She becomes know. part of them, right? Yeah, she does, yeah. Um, Bradley Cooper is back as Rocket Raccoon. Obviously, again, a voice... It is, yes. It is just a voice. However, there is something more because he's actually putting... He's motion capture. Yeah, and I've listened to enough of your video games. I've watched enough animation. And we've also... I've heard lots of bad looping over the years of watching old movies, bad movies, where they put someone else's voice over the top because of whatever reasons. And that, when someone is putting in their whole... Like, you're listening to my voice now. You're not looking at me. But when you're listening to someone do a whole part, that does make a difference because he's he's being that character with the tone of his voice and his ups and downs. And the personality and, of Yeah, Bradley all Cooper. of the... I mean, you can draw the raccoon however you want, but you still need to have the quality as if it's a real... It is a real sentient being talking and being smart-assy and being bitter and all the emotions that he goes through. So I think he does a good job. Yeah, I, I like him. He's funny. Um Again, I didn't know it was Bradley Cooper in the first movie until the end. <laughs> but uh, I have grown used to him. Michael Rooker plays Yondu. Um, what do you think of Michael Rooker? He's the bad guy in the first movie. He's, he, he's back again as a bad guy. He's always he's always gets better. You know what I mean? Like I said, though. Well, are we spoiling this? We're spoiling no, this. No, let's not spoil it. Okay. He's always a little rough and tumbly, kind of. You know, in every role. We've watched Walking Dead. We've, of course, watched... Well, Henry... Portrait of Serial Killer. These are the things I remember him from, <laughs> for whatever yeah. reason. What else did you say he was in? Um, Just recently. I didn't. You did. Because you're like, oh yeah, he was in blah, blah, blah. But I feel like he gets better all the time. He's yeah. still that kind of like... He plays himself, know, I think. A little bit rough, a little bit, you know, like smart-assy, a little hollywoody ish But the rogue guy who might... It's like he's play acting instead of and he's performing rather than trying to be too deep about the acting which i I like that's really works for a comic book character like in this movie i think the way he is he's larger than life kind of and that yondu character is also right and um, yeah you know that makeup that yondu has on i thought that some of that was cg in some way because it's so... You know when they cover somebody in blue makeup? Well, the, the gold people are all oh, the gold actual... People. I mean, they smooth it out with some sort of filter, but they are completely covered with the gold yeah. eye makeup. And often in movies, uh, when they paint somebody or do something, I, I can... You know, you see inside the mouth or you see somewhere where it looks wrong. Like, oh, look up... You can see it in the nose that it's no blue in there. 
Well, Rucker, I thought, well, they must have CG'd it somehow, but then we saw behind the scenes, and the makeup he's wearing just stood there is exactly like it is on the screen. There is no, oh, wow, you can Which see Which one it. did we watch, though, where the woman wasn't that color at all, and it was all post-production? Was it? She was purple, I think. We saw a movie recently. It oh. wasn't this one where Zoe, Zoe Sedano, she's painted green also. Yeah. But there was somebody, I think they were purple. And when we saw the extras, it's all done in post. And we, I had no idea. I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, they just changed the color of her. Like, yeah. Yeah, weird. What was that? I'll have to think of that. Uh, was it in Ghost in the Shell? Mm, was there a purple person in Ghost in the Shell? There was quite a lot of weird. There, <laughs> there were. That might be it. That might be it. Um, Karen Gillan plays Nebula. She's Amy Pond from um, or from the from the movie The Circle that we just watched recently. I like to remember her as Amy Pond, and there are times when she's just a little bit much, but you have to think about this character. She's pissed off. She's pissed off because she's a bit horrible, wretched, torturous life, right? She's been, she's Gamora, who's the green lady. She's her, not her actual sister. They were both, one is, she's born to that guy, I take it, right? To, uh. Amy Pond is actually the guy's actual daughter. Thanos, is he called? Yes. Yeah. But he stole Gamora. Right. If I remember correctly. I think so too, yeah. Okay. Kidnapped her or whatever. Because she's... And then enhanced her. Enhanced them both. And then kept hitting them against each other to fight it out. To perfect them as soldiers, as weapons. And because Gamora's just... Whatever they did to her made her, like, super powerful. Amy Pond can never beat her. So he starts having... People, like like she said, my brain was taken out, my eye was taken out, my arm has been replaced to put robotic parts in me to make me stronger, but she still always wins. Now, think of that life. It's not a, it's not a huggy, huggy, sweet and lovey touchy kind of thing where you go, but you're my sister. It doesn't no. work that way. You're just, you want to kill everybody. And so when she's a little over the top, I have to bring it back and go, this is a comic book story. This is a character who needs to be pissed off and manipulative and she's watching everybody and everything so that she can get what she needs, which is revenge, ultimately, out of, you know, that's her ultimate goal. True. So I kind of let go of the like, well, she's a little over the top at the moment because overall I get it. Again. And then I want to see her in every scene she's in. I'm, I'm really interested in where she's going because she's not just pissed off. She learns and she kind of grows and she you know so i think it's one of those characters that's off to the side she's featured a lot but she's not your main guy and she's not the raccoon and all that but she's becoming that person that you want in the fold you want to see her back at all i do anyway with the group whatever her contribution is and again the makeup on her is so oh it's really good and she's so made up you can't even tell it's her to be honest no, I said, is that still Amy Pond? Yeah. <laughs> the only difference... Until she talks, and then I can tell with her from her Yeah, voice. slightly. The only difference that I read was, uh, in the first movie, she actually shaved her head for the part. In this one, she didn't. She wore a rubber thing mm. over her hair. But her hair's a bit shorter, because she went full on in the first one, just shaved her head completely. Um, but yeah, she was good. Better than she was in the first one. Um, it's really hard for me, when I look at her, to see even the actress... It's so good, that makeup. It's It completely transforms it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvester Stallone appears. It's just a small appearance, but he's obviously going to be something bigger yeah. in this Marvel universe. He pl- he's plays a character called Stacker. He's like the... What is he, like the head of... Well, he's not the head. He's just a like in a group of bounty hunter type 
No, he's kind of he's a group of the Ravagers. 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 He's the same as the as Henry portrait of a serial yeah. killer. <laughs> he's in this band of they're like mercenaries, but not mercenaries. They are sort of the Yeah, they are like mercenaries. Like they don't just guns go, for hire, like But they're not really guns, are they? They're like they're going to gather things, capture things, bring things back, sort of like the underbelly, like the thug, the hired thugs. You pay them and they go and do the something big, for Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they're only featured, but it's quite clear they're going to be important because they do an end scene. There's a few end scenes in the credits. Stick around till the end of the credits, but there's one scene with them in particular that where it, they're probably going to crop up in the next um, Avengers movie, I would imagine. And Kurt Russell finally plays Ego, the big bad guy here. Um, what do you think of Kurt Russell? He was Kurt Russell. Yeah, he was Kurt Russell. He really was. I'm not trying to diminish his contribution to every movie he's ever been in, but I mean, come on, he's Ego. And I can imagine when Goldie Hawn was sitting there next to him and he's telling her, oh my God, they want me to play this guy named Ego. She was like, oh, yeah, just that, play yourself. <laughs> that is you. So you better just, because he is one of those bigger than life characters in life, from what I can tell. And, um, he is also raking in the coins because he is in the biggest franchise <laughs> ever, The Fast and the Furious, money-wise, and also now in the Marvel Universe. So the coins are probably flowing in his house. <laughs> yeah, but he's not the only one. Um, directed by James Gunn, who directed a movie called Super, which I don't know if you saw it. I don't think so. You know the guy from The Office, Dwight? It's yeah. him as a superhero. It's kind of weird. Um, he also directed a movie called Slither, which is a it's like a it's an old movie, but he did a remake of it. It's like this weird like slug that gets inside people. It's kind of cool. You should watch that uh, right. on Halloween. It's actually good. His version of it and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy One. Also, the Belko Project. He didn't. We watched that recently. Belko Experiment. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he wrote that. He didn't direct it. He also wrote the game Lollipop Chainsaw, which was a cool game. Um, which you <laughs> you know you've seen it. Roker must have been that because a rucker because he said you've been in one video game with me four yeah, movies for was, me yeah. Da, 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 yeah he was actually in it as himself um, but yeah uh, he wrote the lollipop chainsaw game he's I think James Gunn is whenever you see him and you'll see him in the extras on this set and you'll see that how these movies turned out that he is a guy who is into what he's doing like. I think he is, he's a nerd, he's into comic books, um, but I can tell that it's somebody who wants to make something awesome, you know? He's got very... Yeah, something he wants to watch. Yeah, he doesn't seem <laughs> like um, up his own ass or anything like that, he's just trying to make the best thing he can make, like, and he can't often, I, I follow him on Twitter, he... He's the kind of guy that can't believe he's making a movie, movies of this scale for, like, I'm just a dude, like, why, how has this happened? You know, like, he's, he just feels like he's a fan of comic books and he wants to make the best comic book movies. But uh, if you want to see a bit behind the scenes and see him working, he looks like he, um, he'll make you do, like, 50 takes to get the right one. Yeah. Like, when be, I said, when people describe the director... In the extras, as meticulous, he knows what he wants, and they're all very enthusiastic about it. That equals, he's a control freak. Now, this guy just happens to also have, seem like a light, more lighthearted approach. However, 
That means he knows exactly what he wants. He's not an ad-libber. Maybe he's not like... No. It's like he has the whole movie in his head and you're you're going to end up doing what he wants. You may adjust things if he thinks it works better, but I always think that means control freak, but they're being really nice about it. Yeah, well, but whatever he does, it works because the movies are just, they're really, I mean, I can't fault them for superhero movies. Agree. Um, the uh, extras on this Blu-ray are hilarious deleted scenes. I'm actually reading off the box. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not hilarious. Uh, an outrageous <laughs> gag reel. And then there's the four-part behind-the-scenes look at the making of the film. We watched the whole thing. It was actually pretty good. It wasn't one of those, like, standard things. Showed you on-the-set stuff. Lots of interviews with everybody. There's an audio commentary by director James Gunn, which I will listen to this week. And uh, if you buy this, I got the we, they sent us the 4K disc. It comes with the 4K disc, the Blu-ray disc, and a digital copy. And also, there's a bonus, um, a poster that comes in the box. I've never had a poster in any Blu-ray. so, And it's the Guardian's Inferno poster. And it's David Hasselhoff. And uh, Yeah, don't pretend you were impressed. You were like, what is this? Well, I didn't understand what it was <laughs> until we saw the movie. And right. There is a song in the end credits that uh, is called Disco Inferno or something. Disco something. Makes sense. And you said, what the hell is this song? Do you know it? And I said... <laughs> It sounds like David Hasselhoff singing, and then we immediately realized it wasn't. It was. And he's actually in the movie for a few seconds. Um, and when you think, why? And he plays David Hasselhoff in the movie, and you'll be like, why is David Hasselhoff? Well, it all makes sense when you watch the movie. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun little appearance. So, uh, in conclusion, what do you think? What do you think? You I like think. it, don't you? Yes. I love, it. I, love it. I love it as much as the first one. I see it as a big thing. When it finishes and the credits, just before the credits starts to roll, in typical James Bond style, it says Guardians of the Galaxy will return. So you're definitely getting some more Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah, it's so much fun. It's so well made. The music, the visuals. It's, it's just a fun time. It's like hard to describe it without just using the word fun over and over. Yeah. So it's fun and fun and fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, thanks to Marvel and Disney for the Blu-ray. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be The Last Face, and that is directed by Mr. Sean Penn, starring Charlize Theron. We'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to go with... Uh, I was thinking of uh, Mr. Michael Rooker, and his very first film was called Henry Portraits of a Serial Killer. Yep. It's probably 30 years old now, at least. That's why I always think of him. Sadly, but yeah. that's that's always my first it's thought. It's a very chilling movie. It's... Merle doesn't even come to mind until sec he's Henry, then he's Merle. Yeah, Henry is the one. I mean, it is a, it's a really disturbing movie. Uh, it actually came out on Blu-ray um, recently because of the 30th anniversary, so you can pick it up. Um, it is a very dark movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other one I wanted to recommend, and that's just on the spectacle slash space adventure of it, is The Fifth Element, which I think is my favourite space, kind of outrageous space movie. Barbarella's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, but Fifth Element is really, really awesome. Um, and this movie had some... Some of the planets they visit, I was thinking of The Fifth Element immediately, like the costumes on those ladies, you know, on that, that snowy planet. There's some, like, uh, ladies of the night kind of thing, robots. Yeah. It's very 
you know, designed very... Um, mm-hmm. Fifth Element, all the costumes were designed by Jean-Paul Gaultier at the time. And he's he was an outrageous fashion designer. And the whole movie, everything everybody wears is slightly outrageous. So Crazy outrageous, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, The Fifth Element and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And you are going with? I'm going with... Okay, I'm starting my Halloween movies early. I know, it's really early. But... You know, if I wait till October, I don't get them all squeezed in or I don't get adventurous. So the other day, the other night, actually, it was like midnight. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to watch any more Bob's Burgers. <laughs> so I watch Bob's Burgers every night before I go to bed. Like, every night. You I've do. seen them all so many times. It's a li- For me, a li- uh, Bob's Burgers, <laughs> The I don't watch it at all. But the theme <laughs> tune is ingrained into me. It is. <laughs> because you play it so much. And, dunk, 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 uh, dunk, every dunk. single day, almost, yep. when you say, I'm going to go and make dinner, <laughs> I hear you go in that room, and then I hear Bob's Burgers theme music. Come on. <laughs> Every day, <laughs> I can't help it. It's like it's like someone put on their favorite album. Like it is. what's it's, you listen to that more than you do music. I don't listen to just the theme song. I listen to I watch the whole show. I mean, I don't, you you listen to the show sometimes. I do. I just listen. It. Nope. At night, I put it on the bedstand, and then I will turn over and I'm just listening because I've looked at them so many times. I don't need to anymore. True, but not true because sometimes I sit, I decide oh, I'm going to watch this one because it's really funny, and I'll see things I've never noticed before. So you know. But I decided on that night, I'm like, oh, I want to go to sleep, but I'm not sleepy, sleepy. So I'll go to Netflix, go to horror movies, and just whatever it recommends, I'm just going to pick one. I'm going to read the description, right? So then one pops up, Abattoir. And I'm like, oh, we're vegetarian now. We've been vegetarian for 10 years. So I'm like, this is going to be gory and gross. And Abattoir, for people who don't know, is a slaughterhouse, like an animal slaughterhouse or a place where things are murdered, a killed. A French word. A French word for murder house or whatever or you know slaughterhouse so i'm like okay and the cover's got this big red weird creepy house on it and i'm like okay i'll go for it so i get to watching it it's not it's hard to describe so i'm gonna recommend that if you like it's pretty gory it's really not very good it's not high quality it's well made but not high quality and if you watch it you'll know what i mean so it's called abattoir and my other one is in light of see what I'm doing here in yeah, light of <laughs> this upcoming solar eclipse on Monday on Monday which it might be the day you're listening to this it might be today it might have already happened but it's called pitch black and Maybe. it is you said what's I said do you know why I'm recommended this and you said Vin Diesel I'm like oh shit I didn't think of that Vin Diesel is the main guy in it Vin Diesel actually okay in this movie because I love this movie it was like an early Vin Diesel movie too wasn't it yeah there are three there are three Riddick movies. The right. Fir- the first one is cool. The second well, one... Well, he's Riddick in this one. The other ones don't count. Yeah, the second one is <laughs> me. And the third one, I actually thought was all right. I liked them all. But yeah. um, in this one, he is Riddick. It's a group of people in a ship that end up on this planet that has some creepy shit going on because they're about to have a major solar eclipse that lasts a long time. And when the sun is blotted out, these creatures come out. So it's really good. Um, It's actually quality... Horror slash adventure slash I don't even know what else. Well, I don't even know what it is really. Sci-fi, like a monster movie. Yeah, yeah. sci-fi monster. Something movie. like Alien, like uh, things are, are coming together. Yeah, because it has yeah. moments of like, oh god, you yeah. know, or being surrounded running. by them. And... Exactly, and you know, children get 
destroyed by the creatures and it's terrible but it's a good it's a good flick so abattoir not good pitch black very good all right so that's uh recommendations uh games and exclusive stuff i've been playing one game this week agents of mayhem um if you know the saints row series of games they're made by volition there was one two three four of them and then there was a fifth one which was a dlc for the fourth one um well what they decided to do this time is create a new franchise called Agents of Mayhem. If you've ever played the game Crackdown, it's basically Saints Row, uh, but more Crackdown. So what they did was they made a bunch of new characters. Uh, who were... This is the problem with having uh, Saints Row. In the fourth game, at the end, spoilers, the world ends because <laughs> of what the Saints Row do. The world Ends. There is no more world. Okay. So then they made a, is that DL- a spoiler. Then they made a DLC a called Gat Out of Hell, which was the saints were all in hell. They fight the way out of hell, and then one of the endings is they recreate the earth, slightly different to how it used to be, and the world comes back. Now, Agents of Mayhem, which is the new game, it's it still features some of the Saints Row characters. But it's in this new version of the world that is not the Saints Row universe anymore. It's the world has ended and they've recreated this and it takes place in Seoul, Korea. And it's in the future after the world has ended and came back again. (laughs) Confusing. And they've put together this team of agents called the Agents of Mayhem. And they're fighting against this guy who wants to end the Earth again. So... It's not Saints Row 5, <laughs> but it features Saints Row characters, and it's in the Saints Row universe, and it looks like Saints Row, but it's not Saints Row. It's kind of confusing, but all I can say is if you like Saints Row, and you like the game Crackdown, including hunting over the roofs for looking for orbs, that is in this game. It's obviously an homage to Crackdown. They loved Crackdown, and they got kind of fed up of making Saints Row, so they kind of made a hybrid game. It's really, really fun. The story's really funny. Um, it's that kind of funny where there's loads of swearing, so it's not really for kids, because everybody's saying the C word and the F word. Charming. Um, but in funny ways. There's just some, the characters are very funny, like they're all created differently. There's 12 different agents that you play as. You play as three of them at a time, and you can switch between them at any time you want. So if you, one of my characters is called Daisy. She's a, roller skating derby girl who like with tattoos on her and she's kind of like a pinup girl and she's got a big a big machine gun and she runs around and she kills stuff but you you can have three at once so you can switch between her and the other two like instantly by just pressing a button so if she's about to die you can flick to another one and let her health charge up so you're not always the same person but um they're all very different to play as. They've all got special moves. There's lots of leveling up and collecting things. And it's an open world. You can drive your car. Um, if you like that kind of thing, I think you'll really like it. Agents of Mayhem. I got it on Steam on the PC. Um, it's out now. So Sid Talk, what is Svenguli? Svenguli is a horror host. Horror host? <laughs> on MeTV. Dresses up funny. Horrific. And is this a little toy coffin or whatever you call it and he presents a two-hour show with um 
like a horror movie, either an old 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s horror movie or comedy horror with Abbott and Costello. Tonight, the movie is Invisible Ray. I don't know what it is, but I don't think we've seen it. We have not seen it. It stars Boris Karloff and mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi, both of them. We'll see. Yeah. We haven't seen it. Become the uh, the Luminous Man, it says. But see, we might have, and we forget. Like, I forget the names. Last week's, we we sat down to watch it and then realized very quickly, <laughs> oh, we've already seen this. Exactly. And it's very possible that we've seen this one, because I remember some guy getting strapped to a thing, and they're going to put energy into him. What's the big news with Sven uh, he's moving to two hours earlier in September. Which is very inconvenient. <laughs> now, well, damn him. We use a thing called Plex to to um, watch our shows, etc. Right? And um, Sven Gulli is on MeTV. Now, Plex have this new feature with the Plex Pass, and we have the Plex Pass that you can plug a USB tuner card into your Plex server and an antenna, and you can record live TV onto your Plex. Now, I'm going to have to look into that, because that would be excellent for us, because we yeah. can record Svengoolie in that and watch it later. And PBS. We don't, we don't have cable, so if anyone's wondering why you're talking so like I'm this, going we, to look we're in the minority it. of people. We don't have cable TV. We have, like, about 10 channels that are all brought in from the HD antenna. So True. we have lots of PBS, we have local news, and we have Svengoolie, me TV. So if I bought... A small antenna like we've got behind the TV and a USB tuner card and plugged it into Plex. We could watch all the stuff. We could record all the stuff on our not on our antenna TV, which sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> uh, so I'll look into that and maybe we'll be able to watch Spengoli. But seven o'clock's cut. It starts at seven o'clock from September, and that's when we're recording this podcast. Actually, right smack in the middle of it, generally, right? Yeah. Na- nine o'clock did. Nine o'clock to me seems bad. It'd be half for- over by now. Yeah, for a horror show, 9 o'clock seems better because it's dark. But they're not actually horror shows. I mean, none of his movies that he presents are, like, super gory. They're not Abattoir. No. You know? They're better than that. They're better than that, and they're not <laughs> gory like that. There's no gore. Often, you even have murders where there's no blood. No. So, so you know, those old movies. Yeah. Old, old movies. So, um, what's for dinner? Tonight is going to be... Drumroll, everybody. Jimmy John's is very uncomplicated because I don't want to put my shoes on and I don't want to cook supper. Those two things mean I want to get in the car. But we did have something nice. We did have something. Last night was pretty good. The rice and uh, mushroom. hot sauce. (laughs) The hot curry was really good. I loved it. You didn't love it. Why do we tell you what we're having for supper? Because we have been vegetarian for 10 years. And when we started, it was just a thing where it's like we were exploring what to eat every day. You know, when you subtract the dead animals from your diet, which, you know, whatever you think. I don't care if you eat a bunch of dead animals. I ate my share for 40 years. Trust me. Like I've said before, I've probably eaten more steak in my life than most people. You know why? Because my family were cattle dealers, um, stockyard owners. And I have family who owns an actual meat smoking business and meat processing plant or whatever you call it so it's not like i was any shortage of eating a lot of dead animals lots of chickens lots of kentucky fried chicken lots of hot dogs hamburgers bologna all that so i have my fill and now we don't but have you eaten any live animals um probably if you count bugs that are in things i don't know parasites that are in <laughs> i've definitely germs eaten. that are in food i've definitely yes. been uh, walking along and a bug flew in my mouth sure that's it yeah 
But not like you picked up a rat and started eating. No, no, no. nothing like nothing like that. <laughs> Maybe if I'm on an island somewhere and I'm stranded and I got no food, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So that's why we discuss what we're having because in the beginning of our not eating it, meat, it was just every week it was like, what are you cooking now? Because what have you found that we will like? Because you know we've gone through a lot of things that weren't delicious. It just so happens that I'm quite the good cook. I will pat myself on the back for that one. They don't always turn out great. But overall, I would say majority of the things that I make up are pretty good. Would you agree or disagree? And remember, I am your wife and everyone's listening. I would agree. I eat it right. I never leave any food. <laughs> that is not a rave review because you're one of those people who will eat anything. That's not true. You will eat almost anything except for the hot stuff, which is understandable. But I mean, even if you don't like a thing, you'll eat it. And then I'll say, how'd you like it? And you're like, eh. <laughs> That's not how I am. If I start to eat something and I'm like, ugh. I hate this. I don't eat it. Like, my mother didn't make us finish our dinner. We didn't have to eat everything on our plate. If you didn't like what was on offer, go in the kitchen and learn how to cook it. Your, cook something yourself. So that's probably how I learned how to cook. Um, yeah, on the um, another thing uh, before we go to your advice, um, on the subject of Marvel, I did dub this Marvel Weekend because if you own Netflix, um, The Defenders came out yesterday and we watched the first three episodes last night. How did you like the Defenders? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, I like all these shows, and so, you know, Marvel, I'm in it. Marvel are doing some good shit at the moment. Um, the Defenders is, uh, on Netflix, there are four series. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and... Luke Cage, Daredevil. Iron Fist. Iron Fist. And... Jessica Jones. Correct. All four of those shows have come together... Into their own giant show. Who's your favorite of the four? Of those four? Mm-hmm. Probably Daredevil. Hmm. What's yours? Jessica Jones. Right. I just like she doesn't give a shit, but yeah. she does. You know? She's like the hardened P.I. with a heart of gold. Yes. And, <laughs> and she can beat the shit out of it. Yeah. She has a little bit of superpower. If you don't know their superpowers, look them up. Yeah, they're all Marvel characters, but what they've basically done is this new show, The Defenders, they all teaming up to save New York. So it's like a mini Avengers, but with these characters you've come to love over these Netflix shows. Uh, yeah, so, and you said, where are the Avengers in all of this when yeah. these horrible things happen? I'm like, eh, they just go, eh, let the, let the amateurs deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there is a big threat taking place in New York and the Avengers yeah. are nowhere. But anyway, jerks. Yeah, you have to kind of forget that. Maybe the Avengers are saving some other country or planet. But uh, yeah, it's really fun. All of them at once. That is not a good superhero. No. (laughs) You can see it on Netflix. It's all available now. Eight episodes. It's like when we say, where's Superman during Supergirl? Because not that he should come save her all the time, but it's funny. He did turn up a few times, but not always. (laughs) But it's funny. (laughs) All right. So um, what is your advice before we leave? Uh, my advice, I forgot what it was. Oh, now this is going to be a little bit morbid to some of you. So I apologize if you are in any way at any stage of this or someone near you is or just was or whatever. But I have a different view of death, which is what it's kind of related to than a lot of people. But sometimes when you are living your life and you're feeling critical or angry or like you want to rip a, a, a personality trait out of someone or an idea out of someone and, and turn them into what you want or you're worried that what you think isn't going to help you fit in and people are going to reject you so you kind of fake your way through every day 
or through certain relationships, consider if you've ever been around people who are dying or near found out they're going to be dying soon, or if you've ever read any books or anybody's ever talking about their regrets right before they die, you're going to find, I think, what I've met, what I've heard from the actual people I've known who have died shortly after, and anything I've ever read, the majority you, of it is... You heard from people who have died shortly after. How, how so? Shortly before. Oh, okay. <laughs> shortly after they find out they're they're going to die or that their life is going to be shortened, you know, because of a disease, are the ones I'm talking about, um, that have been close to me. One thing from all of them, and there's three men that I can think of specifically, and my grandmother, is that they wished... Wish they could do only one thing different, and that was not kiss anybody's ass. Don't pretend. I wish I hadn't kissed their ass so that they'd do that deal with me. I wished I hadn't kissed his ass or done what he wanted just so he'd be my friend. I wish that I hadn't been so nice just so she would be, you know, do whatever. And you find that theme, and then I think of it myself, because I'm a very... uh, I'm kind of transparent. I don't know if anyone knows this. I will say what I think about an issue. It's not set in stone. It can evolve. It can change. It can grow. But I will put it out there. I'm not afraid because I don't give a shit if you don't want to be my friend because of how I think about something. If I've done something horrible, that's different. But if it's an idea that you don't agree with and you want me to either lie or pretend or hide it from you, then you're not my friend. And I actually do not care. I would part ways or let you just go on about your business. I'm not going to be the person in the last five months, five minutes of my life, trying to make amends with myself for wasting my time to kiss your ass. Like, I'm not going to intentionally say things that rip you down emotionally, like for the fun of it. It depends on the circumstance, but most likely not. But I'm not going to be afraid to say to a group of people or to anybody, anywhere, in front of their face, telling terrible, saying terrible things, and I'm the absolute minority, as in I'm one against everyone else. I will just say it, and then I'll walk away. Because you, your opinion of me doesn't matter as much as my opinion of myself. And that sounds really selfish. But if at the end of my life, I look back and go, oh... Gee, I wish I hadn't been so honest. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have that. I don't know that. I haven't faced that yet. So I'm not going to be presumptuous. But I do consider it sometimes. And then that will motivate me to say the thing that I think needs to be said or that to get it off of my chest or so that I'm not pretending to manipulate a situation just so, you know, whatever, that so that it benefits me or someone else. And I just think, consider if you can... Get a collection, somehow, of other people's end-of-life regrets or thoughts. It will put a new perspective on, maybe, your own actions. All right. So, is, that mor- is that morbid? No. Okay. So let me remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sayschoolie.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to sayschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can listen to all of the episodes and uh, subscribe there. Can email feedback to me at Don't email SidTalk. And uh, finally, uh, stay classy, Marvel. You are doing a very good job, and here's to another 10 years of Marvel. <laughs>
And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Because if you don't, someone will do it for you. And then you know what? It's just too late. <laughs>